everybody. Welcome to the Neighbors Church podcast. Uh, my name is Dan, here with my gorgeous wife, Alexis, in the world headquarters of the Neighbors Church podcast recording studio, uh, our closet. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're just... We're, we're trying to have conversations around things that come up in our personal lives during the midst of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic crisis as we're all finding ourselves in quarantine. We've got an interesting topic of discussion today. I think it will be relevant to every single one of us that are listening. Let me give you an example. Uh, maybe a week or so ago, I was listening to a New York Times reporter, and she was lamenting the fact that due to the quarantine, for the first time in her marriage to her husband, they were having to be in close proximity to each other constantly. You know, Manhattan professionals working 70 hours a week, always out of their apartment. Now, all of a sudden, they are constricted in quarantine to their apartment, one with another, always rubbing up against each other. And to say the least, she was expressing that there was some friction, that it was actually uh, a really difficult situation. Uh, there was another kind of talking head fellow I was listening to, and he had put out a, a report in one of the newspapers. I can't remember where I find all this stuff, but he was essentially talking about how, um, COVID and this crisis is either going to crush certain marriages and families and those dynamics, or it's going to make them all the more concrete. And what he was saying is because our sense of union and relationship with each other in our culture is primarily based on how we feel when we're with one another. If we feel good, then we're in love and we're, we're happy to be together. Uh, and, and if we don't feel in love, if we're irritated with each other, if we're not happy to be together because we're frustrating to one another, then all of a sudden we've fallen out of love and that kills marriages. So this author was essentially saying that the COVID-19 crisis could crush some marriages. It could just be too much. They're too close in proximity. The feel-good love feelings have flown out the window in quarantine. Or, and this is my hope, this was his hope, I think this is what God wants to do. This quarantine, as we have to live in close proximity to each other, all the more can create concrete stability in our relationships. Uh, I believe that's what God wants to do. And uh, the first thing that I think I want to chat with my wife about is we kind of have reps in this when we made the move towards homeschooling. I keep uh, my office primarily at home. We have three teenage kids now. Do you want to kind of talk about our lifestyle and how for such a time as this, mm -hmm. God has kind of given us some cues on how to walk through this? We've really had to uh, put in some rhythms into our life, into our literally our daily life, Monday through Friday, particularly with um, how we structure our days because we do homeschool, Dan's office is at home. We say office loosely because primarily he ends up getting kicked out into the garage <laughs> if we're being too loud. Um, so yeah, it's been um, something that we've had to work intentionally at creating an environment where kids can be learning, um, I'm kind of going in between the learning and managing the home and working for the church. You're working primarily for the church, working on your master's degree. Um, and so there's just so much that's spinning and moving in our home. We've had to practice intentionality with our relationships and how we treat one another. It's taken so many, um, I'm sorry, please forgive me, um, 
and just honest humility. Yeah, for sure. Humility is huge. Those are, she's highlighting some of the, the, the macro points we want to talk about. My dad and my uncles and my grandmother, they're all rock hounds. And I learned when I was little that when you polish a rock, you put it into these like rollers and the rocks beat up against one another. And some of those weaker rocks would actually break. But the way that you polish the rocks is by creating this friction around them and and this rub upon them. And then they become these beautiful pieces of jewelry and um, art. And we want to encourage you right now. COVID-19 and this close proximity is an opportunity for your your life, your soul, your marriage, your kids, if you're a single, your the depths of who you are to be polished by the friction of quarantine, mm-hmm. of having to continually be together. And we want you to understand something. This is what we discovered. We all have these patterns of behavior and communication. Some of them are good, healthy patterns. Some of them are unhealthy patterns. Um, We have baggage from our families that we grew up in, ways of responding to each other, ways of interpreting what another person is doing, ways of reacting to that. All of those patterns are already in place. But because of the frenetic pace of our families and our lifestyle, oftentimes those patterns, we only see the tip of the iceberg. And what COVID-19 and quarantine is doing for many of us, and it's very disorienting, is it's bringing all of those patterns that have always been there to the surface. And truly, God wants to redeem those patterns. Alexis and I have been talking a lot about how we're seeing this season of quarantine as an opportunity to pivot. Pivot in so many ways. Pivot in the way that we perceive the world. Pivot in what we want to do with our lives and how we want to do it. Pivot in how we relate to one another. So here is uh, the great hope in this. The Jesuits have a saying that God is never outdone in his generosity. And with that principle in place, even making incremental, tiny little changes in the patterns of our behavior with each other um, can result in massive differences in our homes. Tiny little, just tweaks here and there of self-awareness and perspective can really bring about something tremendous and transforming in the way that we relate to each other. Yeah. So we just want to chat about, uh, with our remaining time, a few principles for learning, um, how to live together again. Um, some of these are some practices that we're doing as a family. Um, and some of them are ones that we're wanting to implement through the season. It's come to our attention, like, Hey, we need to add this practice to our life. Um, as individuals and as a family. But before we get into that, I do want to address um, our single brothers and sisters. Um, Some of you guys live alone, um, but some of you have roommates and people that you're living with that you're rubbing shoulders with every day because you guys are all in isolation together. And so I do want to make, make it known and highlight that Um, This conversation is for you, too. It's not just for people who are married or who have families. Um, All of us um, have practices that we can implement with how we relate to human beings and those that we are most day-to-day in contact with. And so for some of our singles, this season is probably 
more difficult for you mm-hmm. as it's it's really more isolating and it can feel almost like a desert-like experience. And so the following practices and postures of heart can increase your sense of stability and intimacy with God as you grow through this time. And so um, also for those of you who are married, this is an encouragement for you to keep in touch with your single friends. Don't forget about them. Um, even right after this podcast, call one of them, be intentional with them. Um, don't let those relationships um, that are important fall by the wayside during this season and don't neglect the community that God has put around you. And so now we want to get on to how we're learning to live together again. Dan, how are we learning to live together again through this season? <laughs> Very carefully. Very intentionally. <laughs> We're both laughing because we want you guys to know this thing called human relationship, close proximity and intimacy, it let's just let's just say it. It's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> no. We're having to have so many conversations, so much talking, um, so much. Oh, I think we need to talk about this. This is starting to feel um a little out of control and hurtful. Um yeah, and lots think, of talking. Yeah, I think that that's actually something that may really help you. Um, this this process of learning to live together, it, it is a process that requires patience. And for those of you that are perfectionists, those of you that have this kind of warden June Cleaver ideal of marriage and family. I'm and re- so guilty of that. Yeah. I want it so bad. <laughs> you have this idealistic standard in your head that, you know, the kids are going to pop out of bed uh, and the two-year-old is going to come out into uh, the kitchen and say, Mother, could you please make me some pancakes and be so kind? Um, you know, we have to, first of all, live in reality, guys. We are broken humans. Mm-hmm. We are terribly selfish. And whether you're two, a teenager, or well past those years, we still have these ingrained patterns of behavior. And so I think Lex and I would like to start by encouraging you. Be gentle with yourself through yeah. this process. Don't condemn yourselves. Yeah, I would say also in being gentle with yourself, be gentle with those around you. Um like Dan said, all of us are going through this process together. We're all in this new rhythm of um, being together a lot day to day. No real breakup in our day unless we're going for a walk or something. But even then, most likely if you have kids with you or you have roommates with you, a lot of stuff's just happening together. Yeah, there is so much together. And there are these moments of what I just call self-awareness. I uh, for those of you that are Enneagram people, uh, I'm an Enneagram 8, and I often try to describe that as being a volcano held down by a paper napkin. And when you put a bunch of other little volcanoes that are trying to create their own little islands in the space of a bigger volcano, it just it gets so gnarly. And what I am discovering is really simple practices like a deep breath in through my nose before I open my mouth, literally a deep breath in through my nose and a slow release of air out of my mouth as I just literally engage my parasympathetic nervous system to slow down what I'm about to say. And then a a mild shift in the way that I intonate my voice with my oldest daughter. 
or a mild shift in the way that I hold my head and smile at my wife as we work our way through this conversation prior to this recording, it, it transforms things and it is not easy, but boy, the dividends and the fruit that comes from these, these moments of self-awareness. What are some things that you're experiencing with us, the kids, you're a nine, you want peace. Like wh- how are you maintaining the, what is the still, the still pond that is Alexis with all these storms around you? Uh, I think for me in this season, I'm honestly having to be okay with having the conversations and not ignoring uh, what's happening, but being present in it and being willing to press into the moments of conflict rather than trying to act like everything's fine. Everything's fine. I'm just going to keep everything together. Um, I've had to be intentional with, nope, there's conflict here. We can't just brush it under the carpet. We need to talk about it. We need forgiveness. And that's what's going to bring the true peace that my soul hungers and longs for that ultimately brings that about because I'm willing to invest in those relationships and have the hard conversations. Yeah. You're not only beautiful, you're brilliant. And uh, I learned so much from you. I, I think that's a great tie in to what we think is one of the most categorically important principles of learning to live together. And it is embracing every day, the present moment. A couple podcasts ago, we talked about stability and instability. And we talked about the necessity of letting go of the past. Like if we're going to try to maintain behavior patterns in a brand new context that we haven't had to live in, and we're trying to import the past way of being into this present moment, that's just a cocktail for chaos. It really is. And so there has to be a willing and intentional pressing into and embracing of the moment that is in front of us and the situation that is in front of us and not trying to resist it, not trying to bend it to our will and not trying to escape it. God has placed us in this context to polish us, to train us and to shape us. It's important to remember as well that that shaping and that molding during the season, I'm just mindful of some of those who this isn't, this hasn't been a season of isolation. It's actually been one of huge workload increase, um, a lot of intensity, um, where we're talking about, you're having to hunker down in your home. You're like, I haven't been home. I'm barely eating dinner at home. I'm so busy. This is overwhelming. I just want to encourage you as well that through the season, Um, God is shaping through that. God is shaping through that intensity and molding you. And so we want to encourage you with that as well and, you know, not go unnoticed. So much of the Christian life of what my wife is talking about is um, rather than resisting, it's actively receiving what is in the moment present to the spirit. And so if you're one of those folks, like for us, the first week of quarantine, it was a ton of scramble and stress. And what are we going to do? We're a church plant in a pandemic, and now we can't meet together. <laughs> and God just meets you there. God just shapes you there. We, we want you to know that this polishing that's happening, um, be present to the moment just as much as those of us who are in quarantine, having to stare each other in the face, um, are, are, are pressing in with you. And, um, we understand. So we want to turn here, this first principle and root it in, um, Psalm 90, Psalm 90, the author is encouraging the readers to recognize seasons of life 
and that life comes and goes quickly. He, he precedes what we're going to read with these truths that, you know, we're going to live to 70 or 80. How are we going to spend those years? And that we're not to waste a single breath. So, hun, do you want to pick up here in Psalm 90 and kind of read it for us? Psalm 90, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. That is so key. God wants to establish our work, and he wants to do it in the context of quarantine in this season. And so when the psalmist says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom, one of the facets of wisdom is not wasting any opportunity that God gives to us. I want to remind myself over and over and remind you, our listeners, that this season, this time of quarantine, this time of crisis, it will pass. And so we are to embrace this present moment and see the good in what God is doing in wanting to satisfy us in the morning with himself and wanting to establish the work of our hands for generations to come. You know, I've been really wrestling with this and, and this crisis has provided this amazing uh, perspective for me. Um, my kids are all teenagers now. My oldest is 17, Sophia. Nyla is um, 14 going on 15 in May. And my, my son, Joby, is 13. And I know it's cliche, but as a parent of teenagers, I'm telling you, this has gone by so fast. I still think of all three of them as just tiny little humans that we would cuddle up on the couch on Saturday morning and watch SpongeBob, and those days are long gone. And through the COVID crisis, I've noticed something that took me by surprise. Every night, um, for like the first time in maybe years, almost every single night, we are able to sit down with nothing to do, nowhere to go, no meetings to engage in, no guitar practice to get to, no ballet to take somebody to, no dance lessons, no friends are going here, friends are going there, no organizing, no logistics, just sit down and have dinner with all of my family members present and no rush to go anywhere. And I have found it so sweet to my soul. I don't want to romanticize this, the day is full of stress. The day is full of conflict. The day is full of rub ins and rough outs and, and all that like all that stuff. But dinner comes around and we're able to sit and have long conversations with nowhere to go with my teenage kids. And I'm telling you, every breath, every conversation, every moment, I'm just living into it. And I generate as much gratitude to God for this present moment because I know it is building bridges and relationships and structures of relationship with my teenage kids that's going to last into, I think, my grandkids. Yeah, it's really been a gift. Yeah, it's been absolutely amazing. So we're embracing this present moment. You had one of the most profound insights I've heard, actually, in quarantine. Lex, embrace what? 
Embrace boredom. Embrace boredom. How's that for a headline? I think it's good for us to learn how to be okay with lulls um, in our evenings, or maybe for some it's during your day. Those moments where there's nothing to do and you're like, okay, what do I do now? And I think the proclivity is to go to, okay, I'm going to scroll or I'm going to do this thing. There's like this action that you feel like I need to take or, oh, I'm going to, you know, binge out on Netflix. It's like, we just have to have this constant. But I've been really aware that there's an embracing of boredom that is really beautiful um, during this time. And it's teaching me a lot. And so um, just some little ways that you can embrace boredom rather than turning to Netflix or scrolling on your phone is little things like, okay, I'm just going to sit here. I'm going to take five minutes to pause and I'm going to sit here and just listen to the nothingness. (laughs) Or maybe it's I'm going to go outside and I'm going to delight in creation. I'm going to look at the flowers. I'm going to listen to the birds going crazy. Um, I'm going to look at that little hummingbird's nest uh, up our, in our tree. Who's getting our ready kids to named have little, this little hummingbird Joy. <laughs> yes, we have this little hummingbird that's getting ready to have babies. And we've affectionately named her Joy. And I'm just like obsessed with her. But maybe it's watching Joy sit in her nest. Um, all those things to say, enjoying and embracing boredom. It is a return to a little house on the prairie. You know, all they had was candlelight. Uh, not and... quite. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we turn off our phones yeah. and uh, turn off the TV for even a half hour and we just sit with ourselves in, in the presence of presence, in the presence of him, in the presence of creation, in the presence of each other, uh, with nothing to do, nowhere to go, nothing to say, and learn to be comfortable in that space... Uh, I think that's what the psalmist was getting at in Psalm 23. He makes us lay down. Mm. He puts us beside still waters. He provides for us green pastures. But sheep are pretty boring creatures. Yeah. Uh, One thing I've loved, um, just as you're talking about, you know, having the dinners together and embrace, and I'm talking about embracing the boredom. I've loved also, we've had a couple nights where we turn on some jazz music we are classical. We light a candle on our coffee table. We all grab a book and we sit there and read together in utter silence. And it's been so incredible. So let me ask you this, because this just came to my mind. Uh, Mama Bear is listening right now and she's like, I love this. This is so encouraging. But at the same time, I have a two-year-old in my house and this is not going to happen. How, how for the families with littles, which our church is a young church, lots of young families, little, little littles, what does embracing this present moment with these babies look like? I know what's coming to my mind right now as a dad who misses those days like you wouldn't believe. I'll let my wife speak first and then I'll share my thoughts as well. I think going back to, first of all, I just want to say, be gentle with yourself, um, Some moments you're going to love engaging with your kids and other moments you're going to be like, I need to escape into my room. Both are entirely perfect and okay options. Um, I really believe that with little kids, you can't romanticize it. You can't be like, we're going to have the perfect family devotions tonight. We're going to light a candle and we're all going to read in silence. That's just not going to happen. And so if we're getting back to our point of embracing what is presently happening in our lives, Um, not trying to change that or find relief from that, 
then I think it's just saying, okay, this is, this is what our family life looks like. And certainly, um, with our kids, even when they are little, we had our built-in rhythms of we're going to read a book at night before bed. There's going to be bath time. The kid's hair is going to be wet. Daddy's going to play guitar. We're going to sing some fun songs. And then we're going to read a book. And then you're going to go to bed. So I think it's you finding those rhythms that may be chaotic and may be loud, but saying, okay, this is what is our normal. And this is what our rhythm is but choosing to make that your rhythm and embracing what that season is. Yeah. You cannot ever forget that while we envision the mystics like St. Francis and he's all peaceful standing out there as a statue with a little bird landing on his arm and you know, the kingdom of God and, and the, the tangible presence of the kingdom of God is as much in uh, changing the 800th poopy diaper uh, as it is anything else. I know for myself, when we talk about our kids being babies, and toddlers. Um, I was going so hard, particularly when my son was really, really little. I don't have many memories. I would encourage you during COVID-19, be creative. Ask the Holy Spirit, what are some creative ways to create wonderful memories with my kids? You know what we're going to do today? We're going to make chocolate chip cookies. And I know in the back of your mind, you're panicked right now because that means there's going to be cookie dough in every crevice of every part of everybody involved, but there will be memory there that those little ones, they will have that be creative. Think of ways to, to embrace these moments. And there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with needing to just tap out and be like, you know what? You're going to go screen time for however long, but I would also encourage you, you're being given extra time with these littles to create these wonderful memories with them. And it it will carry through to where when when you're at my stage, you'll look back on those memories and say, I'm so thankful I had those times. And more than anything, your kids aren't needing the perfect memory. Just the fact that they have a parent parents that are present with them is what's going to speak the most um, throughout their life that's providing that stability. And so be encouraged if you do have littles. I do think this is a great way to segue into your idea of embracing crowdedness because with little kids, there is a crowdedness that's there. Do you want to dive into that? Yeah. You know, uh, most of you live in San Diego. And so that means you're probably living in a very small house, which means we're rubbing up shoulders with each other constantly. And um, what came to my mind is this is an opportune time for us to practice the one another's, the one another's. Uh, Paul in his epistles, uh, he gave instructions to his communities on how we're to treat each other. And depending on who you're reading and how you number these things, there's approximately 60 commands that have to do with loving one another, admonishing one another, serving one another, bearing one another's burdens. This is like a crucible. A crucible is something that heats up. This is like a really intense pressure cooker moment in our family's lives, in our marriages. Uh, If you're single, it's a pressure cooker time where your intimacy with Jesus is really at hand. It's really at the forefront. And so this practicing one another, if you have people in your home with you, this is uh, a way of, I think, exponential growth for our souls and for our families. Yeah, here's just a few of 
the one another commands. Um, we're actually going to link this in the podcast description so you can find a whole list of them that we want to give to you guys. But here's just a few. Love one another. Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Submit to one another. Consider others better than yourselves. Bear with one another. Teach one another. Comfort one another. There's also some negative commands on how not to treat one another, which I think are really timely for this season. Um, Do not lie to one another. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, you'll be destroyed by each other. That's kind of scary. That's no joke. (laughs) That is no, that is an ongoing conversation in my home with my teenage kids. Can you please speak with a little bit of gentleness because your biting tone is making me go into an uncontrolled rage? (laughs) Yeah, so this one another thing, uh, like Lex said, we're going to list this as a resource for our community on the website. And I would really encourage you, uh, take some time and read through the list and um, embrace this as a time where God is saying, I'm putting you into this crowded pressure cooker situation. You're going to have to live in relationship with other humans in a way that you haven't had to in the past. And I'm going to grow your soul in this time. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to work into you things that you could have never imagined. And so, you know, if you've been praying for patience, welcome to God's answer to your prayers. <laughs> All right. So I just want to do a quick little recap. We've talked about embracing every day in the present moment and not trying to resist or escape it. Now I want to move into a second principle of recognizing you can only work on you. <laughs> yeah. When we're in proximity to other people, uh, our tendency is always going to be, you know why our house is the way it is? It's because my toddler, it's because my husband, it's because my wife does this. It's because, and the finger is always either unconsciously or sometimes more often than not consciously pointed at the other people and the problems that they have. So let me give you an example from my own life, because I think I am a stellar example of the chief of sinners in this situation. I'm always relaying to my precious wife and my beautiful children why they are ruining my life in the midst of this quarantine and how stressed they make me and blah, 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 blah. I've turned a corner on this because I don't want to waste this COVID quarantine time. I want to grow in it. I really, and my family knows this about me. They, they know more than anything. I want to grow and be like Jesus and be a good dad and be a good leader. So I realized the other day, I got to stop pointing the finger at everybody else. What can I work on to bring a tone of gentleness and peace and patience? Where can I love the others that are around me, regardless of their response, regardless of what they do? And in recognizing that I can really only work on me, that mitigates what's happening in any, in any setting. So the other night we're at dinner and we're having one of those beautiful dinner conversations. And I just point blank asked my kids as we were having this conversation around what, how do we create tone in our home during this time that's peaceable and joy giving and helps us all. I asked them, what can I do, you guys? What can I do as your dad to make things better in our home? And uh, my kids are wise. My kids are incredible. And they counseled me. I humbly listened to what they had to say. Things like, dad, could you start confrontation in a more conversational tone versus a confrontational tone? I think there's real brilliance in that. And it's that love one another with gentleness and with patience. So very small things like that, that I'm personally working on, 
make huge differences in the family situation and the relationship situation. Yeah. So with learning to live together again, we have to embrace the everyday in the present moment. We need to recognize that we can only work on ourselves. And then I think just for some practical takeaway in learning to live together, we want to encourage you guys with our final point, which is to make a plan. Benjamin Franklin said, we never plan to fail. We only fail to plan. And I think that's so true in this season. This is all just kind of fallen upon everyone. Um, this isolation, this, our kids are suddenly home for the remainder of the school year. This is all just kind of fallen into our laps. And so I think it's an important um, idea that we make a plan during the season and we don't um, check out honestly during the season and waste what the season is presenting. And so that actually is just before we go into the practicality of making a plan, I would caution you guys, I'm cautioning myself even to avoid checking out in this season by spending too much time on TV or on our phones, scrolling through Instagram, Snapchat, all the things that are available to us. Um, if you're a video gamer, like don't spend hours playing video games. Um, maybe I've had several friends say, oh my gosh, I just want to eat everything. And just this idea of like, uh, that would be me. <laughs> I think I've eaten an entire bucket of jelly bellies at this point. Um, but you know, just this idea of like, don't waste this time and be aware that, oh, I'm like craving things in a way that I haven't because again, it's the idea of boredom and that kind of thing. Yeah, so be aware of that and distraction. And so, um, cause if we're, if we're not aware of those things, we're actually going to miss out on the movement of the spirit and the ways that he's working in this metaphorical desert. A lot of the language going around in the cultural narrative right now is that we're in a wartime scenario and nobody just goes into a wartime willy nilly. Uh, and you don't, you don't have time to really plan for a war either necessarily when the attack comes. And so this make a plan thing is really important. And we're, we're literally saying, mom, dad, or well, let's start with our singles. If you're single, sit down and make a plan for the week of things that you want to do. You can be as detailed as you'd like, hour by hour. I'm going to be doing some schoolwork at this time. I'm going to eat my lunches and my snacks at this time. I'm going to filter in or I'm going to put in some exercise at this time. I'm going to do some reading at this time. Uh, I'm going to do some intentional phone calls towards people that I want to reach out to during this time and try to map at night, maybe map out your next day. I'm actually not a very good planner at all, but strategizing uh, with my wife, how we can navigate the course of our day, the course of our week, starting out the next morning, and then just holding it as a loose blueprint, it really does give you a roadmap through which you can kind of make your way through the chaos of the day. And don't be legalistic about it. You know, when Lex and I are saying, and trying to gently and carefully, you know, caution you to not just check out on Netflix all day, we're not saying don't watch Netflix. We're actually marathoning Tom Hanks movies right now. So, uh, you know, we've made it through Castaway, which was super unsettling. And we did Forrest Gump, which was super heartwarming. And so we're having fun. We're just not completely checking out in, in these other ways. Yeah, we want to encourage you. It can get overwhelming when we're saying, hey, implement some of these practices, create a plan, you know, make sure you're allotting time for work or school or, you know, you're going to exercise or read, whatever that is. It's important that 
you each day prayerfully work these practices into your day. And that whole idea of the the 61 another um, scriptural passages that we mentioned, like choose one of those, just one of them. Incremental change, yeah. just one. Yeah, choose one and implement it in your day. Like today, I'm really going to walk in love one another and practice that throughout the week. Yeah, mine for today, and actually it has been for this past week, is practicing gentleness and patience in my tone and my body language. Not just faking it, but really trying to work it into my body. You know, I think for some of you, this is an opportunity for you to plan to take a nap. I mean, truly, you might even write into your calendar, plan one full hour of doing nothing. Sitting on the back step, watching the little hummingbird Joy uh, sit on her eggs, and the two of you just stare at each other for an hour and see how that works uh, miracles into your soul. This really is a beautiful season for us to learn to be together again. Make a plan, implement some small incremental change, practice those one another's with those you're in relationship with. And so now to close, we want to pray St. Paul's prayer over the Philippian community over you guys. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is the best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Shalom, friends. Shalom.